Hey everybody, this is Rachel Amaday, and thank you for listening. This is the Spiritual Exercises podcast where we dig deeper into scripture and into different ideas and hopefully challenge each other on our kind of mainstream thinking about the Bible and what the American church and the Western church has said about what scripture actually says. We're going to dig even deeper and make sure that we're attempting to find the truth because it actually matters. I really believe if God writes you a letter, you should be interested in what it actually means. And if he's told you to do certain things, you shouldn't deny that claim. (laughs) You should go after and pursue the Lord with all your heart, mind, body, soul, strength. That's what the Bible tells us to do, to love him with all of us. And that means more than just emotion. So we are looking for how to be obedient followers of Christ here. And um, hopefully I present you guys with challenging and interesting information every time I do a podcast. I'm super excited that pretty soon I'm going to do a paid subscription and um, that will just be an option. So you'll still get a weekly podcast if you don't do that. But if you do want to do a paid subscription, I am looking to theme uh, something daily for for y'all that has to do with either end times, maybe to the atheist day where we can talk about science and we can talk about what the Bible actually says. We can talk about new archaeological evidence of biblical stories coming out of Israel, which is happening all the time, you guys. We can talk about health because I think health is a big deal, body, mind, and spirit. And the Bible absolutely has something to say about our health. Um, we can answer questions. So we can have question and answer time where maybe you send me some questions you have about scripture and I go do that research that my journalism major, I paid for a journalism major. I should use those research skills for a reason. So uh, it's going to be really fun. And I'm hopefully going to be able to start that, get that going soon. Today, I really wanted to discuss two different issues. One being D-Day and the incredible magnificence of sacrifice, but the other being Pentecost. Now, Pentecost happened yesterday. It was Saturday night to Sunday night, and I apologize. I should have sent something out about it last week so that if you don't celebrate, I could have helped prepare you to do so because this is an incredibly important day for the believer, but it's one that a lot of churches just kind of gloss over or they attach it to, I think, particular evangelical or charismatic movements, but that's not really accurate. That's not the right way to look at the day. And so I want to show you how this day reoccurs in scripture and why we should still be observing it as one of God's celebrations, one of his holy days. And so um, the other, the other is I wanted to discuss D-Day, because that is today, and how important it is for us to understand the concept of sacrifice. And we live in a culture that is so, I need this right now, give it to me now. They don't know how to put aside their wants for one second. They don't know how to sacrifice their bodily desires for anything beyond themselves. We are in one of the most selfish time periods I've ever observed in human history. And so observing D-Day, thinking about the sacrifices other people have made to ensure freedoms for future generations and why it's so important. Because as human beings, we are one of the rare creatures that understands sacrificing the present for the future. And yet we are getting so bad at doing this. And in so doing, I honestly believe, along with so many other things, we have degraded ourselves. It is definitely time to elevate, to get out of the gutter 
and to become human again, to love and adore our humanity. So these are the couple of issues, a um, couple of ideas we're going to talk about today. First, let's start with Pentecost. So again, this was something that happened yesterday, uh, June 5th, 2022. This day is the day in Acts in the New Testament. So after Christ had left the earth, you know, he had just been killed by the Romans. And if you think about it, this is a terrifying time for the disciples and for the believers, right? And and Jesus leaves the earth um, and they're kind of just wondering what's next? What are we supposed to be doing? I mean, he made these promises about a comforter coming, about assistance with our ministry, but we're not quite sure. Um, and so in Acts, you find that the church is gathered and there is this gathering of many peoples who speak different languages. They're from many nations. I love this picture, by the way. It's this picture of the unity of the kingdom of God, that God chooses a spiritual seed, not necessarily a physical one. This is not about a physical line. This is about a spiritual line of people, people who have been reborn into God's kingdom. And it's a great reminder, y'all, the, the forefather of the faith, Abraham, was not a Jew, this is so important. <laughs> People don't understand this. He wasn't Jewish. In fact, I believe he was kind of Midianite or something along those lines. You know, don't quote me on that. But he he just came out of this group of people. And God chose him because he was obedient. He, he would do what God had asked. And so that obedient heart made him a chosen follower of God. And he founds, right, the, the faith. And through his line, we have more than the stars in the heavens, right, of God's people. And yes, the Jews come out of that. But we have stories of brothers where Jacob and Esau is a great example, where one brother uh, is going to be obedient to the Lord, is going to have the heart towards the Lord. He's the one that's called. He's the one that's that God has set aside. And so he's the one who through whom the 12 tribes come and the rest of the nation of Israel comes and, and Judah and Esau, who was clearly in the story of Jacob and Esau, where Esau trades his birthright for a bowl of soup. There's a lot going on there. And there are, I believe, oral traditions around that story that discuss the fact that the stew that Jacob was making was likely for their father's uh, burial, for their father's funeral. It was traditional to make this particular lentil stew for a burial. Their father is dying. And, and Esau comes in from hunting and he's super hungry and he's like, give me some of that stew. Well, this is not probably just any stew, number one. But number two, when Jacob says, well, trade your birthright, he despises, the Bible basically said he despises his birthright. He trades his birthright for a bowl of soup. Talk about a guy who does not know how to sacrifice the present for the future. It's an insane trade. And it gives you a little glimpse into the heart of Esau and where he's at. And he doesn't have any respect for his lineage or for the future. And anyways, so these two brothers, right, they're from the same parents, but it's not a physical line. It's through Jacob that we have God's people, not through Esau. So again, in Acts, we have all these people speaking all these different languages. Clearly, the Holy Spirit is not about a physical line, but a spiritual line. And they're gathered in this place, but they can't speak each other's languages necessarily. And so the Holy Spirit shows up in tongues of fire 
on top of all of their heads. Basically, they say that's what it looks like. They're baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they're able to preach the word of God to one another in each other's languages. It's this incredible, miraculous moment. It's also part of the chiastic structure of scripture because it is the undoing of the Tower of Babel. Now, if you're not familiar, at the Tower of Babel, they were building a giant tower to rebel against God. And God said, well, these people are going to be able to do a lot with their united language. So what I'm going to do is confuse their languages. I'm going to separate them. They won't have nearly as much power if they're not unified. And we know just psychologically, language really dictates culture. And so out of many different languages come many different cultures. And it's interesting and fun and unique. Culture can be wonderful, but the downside is there can be a lack of unity among people. And we know that just by looking around the world today. So God confuses the languages at the Tower of Babel, but then God unifies the languages on the day of Pentecost in the New Testament. So that's what happens in the New Testament on that day. Now, penta in Greek means 50. And so there is a counting of days. Clearly, this was a 50th day. 50th day from what? Well, I believe it was the 50th day from Passover, which would have been when Christ died. And so how do we know this? How do we understand this? Well, we can look at the pattern from the Old Testament. So if you go back to the Old Testament, you see that after the day after Passover starts this thing called the counting of the Omer. The counting of the Omer is 49 days plus one. It's seven weeks of seven plus one. We know seven is such an important number in scripture. It always talk, It's talking about creation. It's talking about the fullness of creation. It's talking about the wholeness of God's plan. There's so much in the number seven. And so you have seven times seven plus one. Well, what happens 50 days after Passover in Exodus? Well, the nation of Israel that's come out of Egypt that God has saved and rescued is out Mount, Mount Sinai. And this is the day that Moses receives the law from God with tongues of fire, right? God writes his law with a fiery hand. So what we see from the Old Testament is the perfect picture and pattern of exactly how the Holy Spirit would come in the New Testament. And the exact same thing happens. The Holy Spirit comes down and gives people the ability to share the word of God, just like Moses got to share the word of God from Mount Sinai through fire, because our God is fire. He is a fire God. I mean, there's the Bible says it over and over and over. He is a fire. He's always glowing. He's always got flames and lightning coming out of him. The guy is terrifying, but he's able to write with fire. And what's really also cool is you see this beginning of the fulfilling of this new covenant promise that we see in Jeremiah 31 that says, I will write my instructions on your heart. I'll make a new covenant with you. It's not going to be on stone tablets because that's easy to break. This covenant is that I will come into your heart and I will write my law on your flesh. This way you become unified with it so that you're no longer outside of it. It can't judge you from above you. You are now unified with Christ. You are one with him and he's not going to, to banish his own body. Okay, this is such an important day. 
in the Old Testament, this counting of the Omer up until this day, 50 days after, is called the Feast of Weeks. It's also in Hebrew called Shavuot. In the New Testament, in Greek, they called it Pentecost. But guys, it's the same day. And the same things happen on those days. And so you know there's ultimate fulfillment coming. And it's amazing because in the Old Testament, God saved the nation of Israel and then brought them out and gave them his word. And then Jesus comes and he saves anyone who wants to come to him is saved. And then 50 days later, he gives them the Holy Spirit who empowers them to go and have ministry even to people where they don't speak the same language. This is miraculous and it's such a beautiful story and I love how connected it is. So this is a day we are supposed to have a Sabbath. Uh, We're not supposed to work on this day according to the Old Testament. And hey, I'll take it. Any day that God's like, take the day off and celebrate me and and be with your family, your church family, your family, uh, enjoy a day because of what I've done for you, I'll take it. I need more days off. I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm working my tail off right now. So I'm putting that one on my calendar next year and I'm going to observe the day and I'm going to be excited to talk about it again with you all next year. The second concept I kind of wanted to talk about today is the concept of D-Day and sacrifice. And I want to read something to you all. I am on a text thread with this wonderful teacher. Her name is Dinah Dye, and she has some incredible books. You want to dig deep into a subject, buy one of her books. You're going to you're going to have to take notes. You're going to have to go paragraph by paragraph. And if you're you're anything like me, it's the most fun you ever get to have. Honestly, it's a blast. But she is such a deep, deep biblical scholar and a wise woman to boot. And it's fun learning from women because I honestly believe both women and men were made to be teachers and prophets. This is said in the New Testament, your daughters and your sons, right? visions and dreams. Um, We see all sorts of women teaching in the New Testament and teaching men. I get called out all the time by men who say, I'm not allowed to teach them. I just have to tell you guys, you need to dig deeper into scripture. You're absolutely incorrect about that. (laughs) But uh, that's an aside. Anyways, Diana Dye is a wonderful teacher. Um, She texted this about D-Day. D-Day, June 6, 1944, and the Allied landing at Normandy, where nothing went according to plan. Bombers failed to destroy key Nazi artillery bunkers at Omaha Beach. Paratroopers were blown off their marks, swamped in man-made lagoons, and became easy prey for snipers. Stormy seas meant rough beach landings, often far off course, and many amphibious tanks sunk before they could reach land. Dense fog, high winds, and anti-aircraft fire forced paratroopers to jump at very high speeds. Divine providence, along with human agency, won the victory, although the casualties were enormous. Today, we honor those who gave their lives to defeat fascism. We are in a civilizational battle for the future of mankind. This is not hyperbole. Fascism has reared its ugly head once again. This is no time for retreat. Pray. Ask the Lord for wisdom and a fighting spirit. Find where you can be of the most benefit. Put your hands to the plow and start breaking up the fallow ground of human hearts. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. And amen. She's absolutely right. We live in such a selfish time period. And these sorts of time periods are times when I believe communism, fascism, these sorts of ideologies rise because there's so many promises made to people 
people about how perfect, you know, just receiving everything from the government will be. And if you just let daddy government take care of you, uh, things will be just fine and they'll do a great job. Now, they never do a great job as we should we should all be able to analyze and look at our current systems globally of government and recognize they do not do a good job for individuals. They don't. They can't. They're not set up to be able to do that. We're supposed to take care of each other in community, which I suggest we could do a lot better. But to to think that government will do a better job is just absurd, and it has been disproven by human history time and time again. And the problem with fascism and socialism and communism coming to rise for the believer is that these sorts of systems cannot tolerate religions that aren't religions that worship them. Now, a lot of people worship money and a lot of people worship their ideology. And so a lot of people do worship their idea of what um, economies and what political systems should be. And that's what they worship. And they follow that to the death. You know, there are people out there, no matter how much evidence you show them, they will never change. Okay. Luckily, I I find in the Bible, God doesn't want you to live like that with anything. In fact, he wants to provide you evidence of not only his existence in your life, but the miraculous nature of the Bible, which hopefully we're discovering that together as we go through um, and talk about a lot of these issues. But you should have evidence for what you believe. Don't ever blindly believe anything. You're not called to do that because you were given a brain. So you're supposed to use it. And there's uh, wonderful, great, logical ways to use your brain. And if anything, your belief system should be founded and rooted in reality. And uh, the reality of right now is most people aren't. Most people are so desperate to just have somebody tell them what to do and how to live. And this is a terrifying thing. It lacks the ability to see into the future how damaging that will actually be for humanity. And that's the problem. We are so desire to be taken care of now and to have our own personal needs met. We are willing to give up everything in the future to do so. And we saw this happen in the last two years. You don't need my examples. You know them. You know how much we've been willing to give up for the promise of safety, which is usually a lie. And of course, it was a lie over the last few years. And for the promise of government caretaking, which has been a lie. But again, the problem for Believer is that these systems have to come after Believer's. They have to, because your allegiance, if you love the Lord, is not to the state. It's not to a country. It's not to, you know, uh, uh, an economic system. Your allegiance is outside of that. And that's a gigantic problem for the fascist and the communist. The most dangerous thing for those systems of government is a believing polity. And that's why I believe it is so important for the believer get to get back to real scripture so that they can discern what is happening in their country and politically and what God's call on their life is. I honestly believe God values freedom. And you see this in the Exodus story, that he finally rescued his people out of slavery and into freedom. But freedom requires responsibility. And so when the people of Israel were given God's law and they just refused to keep it, it showed still a slave mentality. They still wanted Egypt. They didn't want to actually be free and be the Lord's and live on their own. They wanted to be taken care of. God said, that is wrong. I have provided for you freedom and you still want to be a slave. Is that the mindset we are in now in America? Would we rather be slaves to the government than be free? 
Would we rather hand over our ability to assemble in churches than be free? I wonder sometimes, are we turning into that same mentality? Do we know what it means to rely upon the Lord first for our sustenance and for our life and to be willing to put in the work and the effort that it takes to have generations and generations of people who understand freedom in Christ and what it means to love the Lord? And this life takes sacrifice. To follow Christ is not an easy call. There is no promise of gigantic earthly reward. What there is a promise is of is that Christ will go through this with you and that he has a reward waiting for you on the other side. Now, I've come across this really fascinating. <laughs> oh, you guys don't kill me for telling you this right now because I there's some good, good, good biblically founded um, Bible verses to back this up. But listening to some prophecy roundtables that Doug Hamp at the Way Congregation um, hosts, they talk about how you cannot earn your salvation. That's absolutely correct. And that is Bibli- you, you, Jesus saved. He saved everybody at the cross. If you would like to follow him at that point, then you get that free gift of salvation. There's no other route. There was no route provided through the law for you to be saved. Even if you followed every one of God's laws in the Old Testament, that still would not save you because it doesn't give you what you actually need to be rescued. You need Christ to be rescued. He is the gate. He's the only way. So you can't earn your salvation. There isn't a route to do that. However, You can earn your position in the kingdom of heaven. And we see this, Jesus says, whoever teaches these things and does them will be greatest in the kingdom. But anyone who teaches against my commands, against the law of God, will be least in the kingdom. So even Jesus himself says there are positions in the kingdom of heaven. And so it's important that we recognize what we do here, what we sacrifice for the Lord here, it is does not go unseen. It does not go unknown. You are seen and you are known. And God is taking account of how well you are willing to sacrifice the now for the future. And the future is long. Eternity is a long time. This is a short sacrifice. No matter how hard it may seem, no matter how difficult what you're facing, no matter what you're in right now, If God is calling you out, I promise it will be worth it. It will be worth the struggle. It is torture to get rid of sin. You know, it, it can be really, really, really hard and challenging, and it can feel impossible. But the more that you do it, every time you take that one great step, the next one becomes easier. You're just building your spiritual muscle for the future. Sacrificing today will be worth it in the long run. That means being interested in what God has commanded us to do in his word and then what the Holy Spirit asks you to do in your personal life, all of the above. I know so many people right now who are stuck in addiction. I know so many people right now who are stuck in all sorts of sin, anger and bitterness, man. That can uproot everything in your heart, right? That can, that can completely turn you away from the Lord. I really believe now is the time. If you ever needed motivation to turn to the Lord and wondered, huh, how will all everything in Revelation really pan out? How will that turn out? How will that work out? If you're not seeing it now, then you are never going to see it. And that is not to say Christ is coming tomorrow. In fact, he couldn't come tomorrow. It doesn't really fulfill the 
prophetic uh, information that we get from the Old Testament. But I'm telling you, we are seeing how revelation could actually work out, right? How you could have these beings who would take a mark where they would think they were gods, right? They would they would be so rebellious against the Lord and they would think they could live forever. And then in fact, later on, when they want to die, they can't. You see all these stories happen. And now we can see, I can see how this could take place with the science and technology that we have, with the attitude that the culture has towards religion and faith, with the way that the scientific community has been treating human beings, which is to degrade them and use them and experiment upon them. Can't you see how all of this could turn out? If you ever want a confirmation that the Bible is true, number one, hundreds of prophecies about Christ that he fulfilled that were given hundreds of years before him. Okay, so it's there's lots of historical evidence of the accuracy of scripture. There's lots of archaeological evidence of the accuracy of scripture. But if you never thought revelation could happen, man, now's the time where you could look and say, no, this could actually happen. I can see how these things could occur. Now is the time to turn your life around and decide to be obedient to the Lord, to sacrifice what you think you want now for what you ultimately need and want for your eternity. And there's no better place to put your trust and your faith than in the one who has fulfilled all these prophecies, in the one who will fulfill all of the prophecies to come, and the one who has died to rescue his people, and then to give them his word, and to treat them as a bride, as someone so dear and near to his heart that he would do anything and has done everything to rescue them and return the family. So sacrifice, as we honor D-Day today and we think about the sacrifice of others for the freedom of, of people physically here, we can be reminded of what it means to sacrifice and that Christ made the ultimate sacrifice and that we need to be better at sacrificing so that we can be in alignment with our Savior. Thank you guys for listening. If you have any questions, concerns, thoughts, all of the above, send them my way, you know, and if you're interested in having them as part of a podcast, uh, I am, I am all about it. I'd love to do it. Uh, I am also hoping that I will be able to start interviewing some other people as a part of this podcast and getting you some other views because there's a lot of good ones out there. Uh, thank you so much. This has been the spiritual exercises podcast.